Hi, thanks for joining us for another episode of We Speak Condo. In today's episode, we're joined by Sean Pulver, a condominium lawyer. Sean specializes in condominium law and has been practicing for many years. In this episode, we explore a very current topic, and that's legalization of marijuana. What does cannabis have to do with condominiums? One of the biggest points that Sean talks about in today's episode is how condominiums govern themselves and how that plays into the provincial legislation and the federal legislation regarding cannabis. It's quite an interesting conversation. So I hope you'll join us for this exciting episode where we talk about a very interesting and quite honestly, polarizing subject. Whether you're for it or against it, it's coming. So you'll have to prepare. And what better way than to listen to Sean Pulver on today's episode of We Speak Condo. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to episode 11, or so, we don't know, depends on what order this comes out in, of We Speak Condo. Uh, we have a very esteemed guest with us today. Oh, he couldn't make it? So Sean's here instead? Okay. I'm, I'm happy right. to be the backup. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, we have with us Mr. Sean Pulver. Sean Pulver is a condo lawyer practicing in the greater Toronto area. And I will let Sean introduce himself uh, right now. I'm pointing to you right now, Sean. Thank you very much, Ari. Uh, happy to be here this morning. Um, I uh, am a uh, partner at the law firm of McDonald Sagermanis in Toronto. Uh, my practice uh, is uh, my background is in litigation, but my practice focuses on condo and real estate disputes. Represent condo corporations throughout the city, up north of the city, um, west of the city, south of the city. Um, and also do work uh, for owners as well in certain certain contexts as well. So I have a unique perspective of all things condo, and I've seen some pretty interesting things uh, in my time of practicing since 2005. So, well, and I understand you have uh, two beautiful little girls. I do. Thank you. I have a, a six-year-old Chloe and a nine-year-old Sorel. Take the opportunity to say hi. To uh, hello. Uh, Sorel is away at overnight camp, so I don't know if she's listening in on the podcast, but if she is, uh, hello, and hope you're having a good well, time. Okay. If the six-year-old is listening to a podcast on condos, she needs to get a life. Yeah. Okay. She, she could have a much better time <laughs> at, at uh, camp than, than listening to this, but... So it's some other things people don't know about about you, which I, I found out, is uh, you're a runner. I am. I uh, what what passionate. prompted you to start running, and how long have you been running? Uh, I started running as soon as I can. Uh, early back is is probably five or six years old. My dad was was pretty chasing into you it. with a belt or something. No, <laughs> no chasing. But he was pretty into it, and I would follow him around on the street. And and as I would get older, I would go longer and longer to the point that I could follow him around and kind of did it competitively for a long time and now I just do it for uh for fun and I've run uh five marathons in the last few years and and really really enjoy that it's a you know condo law law in general is a lot of stress involved with it sometimes and it's good to kind of get out on the open road and and unwind a little bit and think about so let, let me stuff. let me let me let you brag a little bit what's your best time in a marathon my best time is three hours and uh, 40 minutes. Wow, that's incredible. So, uh, but... Um, what do you think about for three hours and 40 minutes of running? It's really hard, actually. Your mind, one of the things you hear, you know, think about, you're running 26 miles, it's the body kind of breaks down, but what people don't realize it's the mind that's even harder because you are you can't process the... There's a big disconnect between what your body's going through and your mind, and your mind keeps telling you you can do it but your body isn't so they're constantly fighting with one another so you have several times throughout that where you just keep saying you're nuts you're nuts to do this it sounds like finish. every board meeting i've ever been to well it could oh. yes it could it, that is a, a about the same time length too so there you go it, it's uh i i yeah. guess also you are one of the biggest baseball fans in the condo industry i hear well, I don't know, biggest, but it's uh, that's been kind of a passion. Well, that's what mind. you told me. You well, said, I'm I, one of the I, biggest I, baseball fans in the country. I follow it pretty closely. Uh, that's kind of as my dad and I would bond, either running or uh, baseball growing up. So he's been a season sub, uh, ticket subscriber of the Jays since their first year, and I spend a lot of time. For those of you who are listening that aren't in the GTA area, uh, when he said the Jays, he I'm sure you know he meant the Toronto Blue Jays. Best team in baseball? That that Well, they have been in the past, but not uh, – not in 2018, but... Oh, uh, I guess I'm the biggest 
No, yeah, I'm kidding. Go ahead. It's, it's, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's good to have. Uh, I guess in any in any line of work, it's nice to have some other things that that can can keep you busy or think about outside of work because you can get twenty four seven bogged down in any in any line of work. So it's nice to have something else that you can fall back on. So when you've gone to baseball games, uh, they're usually in big stadiums. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, have you ever gone to as well, uh, like concerts, music concerts? I've been to a lot of concerts. Oh, are you, are you a music fan? I am a big music fan. What type of music do you like? I like uh, more kind of classic rock. Uh, you know, well, Led 60, Zeppelin. 70. Go back to that. Yeah, mm. a little bit. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, Bob Dylan, The Who. Uh, you know, who? There's a lot of uh, that kind of music. I'm not a big uh, modern day. Even though so, there's some some current stuff. Uh, so that I like, what's your favorite concert? Probably, uh, probably the first time I saw Bob Dylan was at a place called the uh, Concert Hall in Toronto, which is now that Masonic was the Masonic Masonic Temple, Temple which sure, is I now know. used as I think a CTV or MTV studio, and it was a tiny yeah. little kind of venue. Oh, I, I remember that place. I got I was fortunate enough to do. Uh, uh, I was like 17 years old doing security security guard work during Caravana, but that's a whole did, different did, episode. Did, did, did you uh, have to hold up as a security guard? Any, any I locked or? myself in the little room, and uh, but which no leads me to my next question. Yeah, it leads me to my next question, Sean. Let's take you back to that concert. Okay. And you're sitting there, yeah. and all of a sudden there's a funny odor in the air. Uh, there may have and been one or two. There yes. may there may have been one or two there funny odors in the air, and 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 we're hoping a lot of people didn't have broccoli, but predominantly, people would be lighting up consumables that, or let's call it, uh, uh, well, what it is? It's it, marijuana. Yes. That's it. Let's yes. not mince words okay. here, right? It's uh, so you've had experience with marijuana. I I from a distance, of course. From a distance, yes. From a distance. You and the president. Okay. From a distance. Uh, however. However, what, what, what I wanted to do was use that as a segue okay. into our main topic today, okay. guys, uh, is um, marijuana, the new marijuana legis legislation in the province of Ontario is coming down. It's been extended now, I believe, to October 17th. Correct. Legalization of marijuana uh, for consumption, uh, not for trafficking, but for consumption, personal consumption. And... It looks like uh, it may pose, if not a problem, many different and varying issues within the condo industry from the resident's perspective, from the owner's perspective, from board of directors, and definitely from management, and more so even more is from um, the uh, litigation side, or at least the, the legal side. Um, I, I think today we'd like to explore, uh, first let's talk about the uh, the legalization and what's happening there because I'm sure there's a lot of um, miscommunication and misconception of sure. what's happening and then how it applies to condominiums in particular. Sure. So why don't you give us a quick Coles Notes view of what's happening and bring us bring the listeners up to speed sure. with terms of the legalization of marijuana. Sure. So the uh, legalization of marijuana uh, is going to see two different pieces of legislation passed, a, a federal and a provincial. The federal bill, uh, C-45, is the Cannabis Act, and there's a provincial bill, 174, uh, that are still that are both going to be enacted, in my understanding, on around the same time in October. Uh, the general idea is there's going to be uh, certain um, allowances for uh, uh marijuana to be uh, both uh, possessed, consumed, and also uh, cultivated in residences. And it's that cultivation that is the uh, real, I guess, uh, tricky part as it relates to uh, condominium buildings and the fact that there's going to be an allowance or a legalization of cultivation uh, allows a lot of buildings to kind of raise red flags now saying, okay, uh, are we going to have all kinds of owners or tenants who are going to start uh, growing well, uh, large well, plants in their units? Let, let's go back a bit. I know we're jumping into yeah. condos because that could be in your neighborhood and anything else, but I have a medical marijuana card. I can smoke it for, uh, for medicinal purposes. Does that abrogate all those other rights? Does that 
turn around and say, okay, well, you know what, uh, when you're not smoking it for medical marijuana, uh, you have to follow the rules. But if it's for your health, you don't have to follow the rules. No, just because someone has a medical exemption doesn't mean they can smoke marijuana in a school or smoke marijuana in an otherwise uh, defined uh, location that can't allow smoke. So now we move indoors. Ontarians will have the right to consume marijuana, cannabis, ganja, whatever you want to call it, as of October 17th, personally. Correct. Okay. We've talked a little about where they can and some of the rules of how and what and where they can do it. So we have a condo unit owner who decides that for whatever reason, just recreationally, some friends, they want to sit in their uh, their unit, uh, watch uh, a Bob Dylan video, I guess, uh, or the Blue Jays weren't playing that well well that day, and they said, "Hey, you know, let's uh, let's take the edge off, and instead of cracking open a couple of uh, Molson Canadians, shameless plug, and um, they're going to." Uh, open up a package of uh, Molson cannabis. Okay. All right. Which I understand uh, apparently Molson's or one of the beer companies is now trying to make uh, cannabis beer. It won't have alcohol in it, but it'll have, <clears throat> excuse me, the THC will be the actor. That's an aside. That's okay. a, But uh, you can probably look for that information online. Okay. So they have the right to smoke marijuana in their units. Do they or don't they? Well, that is a great question, and the answer really depends on what rules uh, that condominium in question may have. Uh, there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, there's two ways really to govern a building. You have your declaration, which is your, your overriding document that sets out all the rights and obligations. Of Please turn into previous We Speak Condo episodes okay. to get more information on declaration but to make it easier for those that don't want to go back into their uh, into their library and check you've got your declaration which is your overall governing document and then you just have your rules and regulations that can be amended much easier by your board of directors going forward most buildings because this is such a new issue won't have anything in their declaration that specifically deals with cannabis you're, you're maybe if you've got newly created condos after October, they may put this type of language in there that specifically prevents it. But assuming anyone that's listening here or any current buildings wouldn't have it. So you're left with, in a declaration, there may be, there's going to be language in there that talks about the right of an owner not to have their use of their unit interfered with. So there's some general language about that that wouldn't deal specifically with cannabis. Uh, so for buildings that uh, don't want to only rely on that language, uh, you're starting to see places passing rules, because it's much easier, that deals with the use of cannabis and in some cases tobacco, uh, to say we want to protect our owners. So the scenario you mentioned, you, your building as it currently stands may not be able to stop it. You, uh, if, if somebody next door is saying, I don't like the smell, it's bothering me, I can't sleep, it's keeping me up at night, and a condo can say that it's a nuisance on the current language and probably make a pretty good argument that the, the current declaration can help them. Now, is there... But, it's there's the but, it's not specific enough, which is right. why a lot of buildings are starting to hear all this in the news, see the legislation, and they're getting nervous. But... This poses a really interesting question for me, from my experience sure. in managing condos. Um, and you spoke about a nuisance. Now there is something in law called the nuisance law, if I understand right. it, that it's a it's a torque. It's, it's a it's a it's a, uh, a considered um, claim that can be made uh, if somebody is being interfered with, even if you didn't technically have it in the declaration. There's a body of case law which deals with nuisance of, of individuals right. and that would be let's say anything escaping someone's unit and interferes with the let's use the term quiet enjoyment yeah of someone else using their unit correct all right so the overriding principle is and the way it was explained to me uh at one point by uh, one of your colleagues is um 
my right to swing my fist in the air stops just before it meets your face. That's a good way to put it. All right? So I can swing my fist in the air, but as soon as it interferes with your quiet enjoyment of using your face, can't do it. So whether it's marijuana, cigar smoke, tobacco smoke, cooking odors, trumpet music, uh, Tibetan throat singing, Gregorian chants, where is this being used and can this principle of tort or, or, or this tort be used and which says, hey, we don't need these rules and regulations anymore regarding uh, cannabis or do we just have to now start making rules? Well, we're going to make a rule about cannabis. We're going to make a, road, a rule about Tibetan throat singing. We're going to make a rule about Gregorian chants. It's, what, it's, a, great, it's a great point. If all things being equal... If a declaration has language which talks about nuisance, which almost all declarations I've ever seen has some form of language that deals with that, uh, a rule specifically dealing with tobacco and or marijuana may not be necessary. Um, you could rely on just what's in your declaration and say, someone's smoking uh, marijuana, it's bothering me, you know, screw this, and a condo could, or through their lawyers, could write a letter saying you are breaching the declaration, and probably that would hold up, very good chance of that holding up in court. The issue is that it's not specific. If you don't have a declaration that specifically talks to marijuana, an owner could say you need to be more clear that it's prohibited, and that's why a lot of buildings are getting worried, and they're... Uh, going through their lawyers and saying, let's pass a rule so that there's no uncertainty. It's really, that that's what it comes down to. And there are some lawyers, even at the seminar uh, that I moderated, that uh, you were fortunate enough to, to attend, and, and thank you again for that. Um, there was another lawyer there that made the point, it's, it, it's not, uh, it's something you can wait and see, and, and, and it's not necessarily 100% clear that you need to pass the rule. And I was more saying, there's no real downside in doing that because there's going to be more clarity for the owners and saying everyone knows you can't do it as opposed to waiting for someone to smoke up and then have to start being scrambling scrambling to respond this way owners know you pass the rule everyone is aware you can't do it and you don't even run into the risk of just having to rely on your declaration to say that it's a nuisance everyone knows up front you can't do it so it's a different you may have a tool to respond to someone smoking, but that's different than making it clear up front that no one can do it. Okay. So there's there's a distinction. Proactive there. and reactive. You're being exactly. You can be reactive to someone smoking <clears throat> marijuana on your current declaration and probably still enforce properly. But that's different than going out and saying, We have a rule now that's been passed by the board properly. Owners have been given notice. You've got thirty days to call a meeting if you don't like this. Yeah. And then do it. If you have channels. any questions about rules and condos, yeah. check prior episodes of We yes. Speak Condo. So I don't want to. Uh, I don't. I don't know how much you've gotten into the past, but rules are are a lot easier to pass because all you need is the board by resolution to agree on language, send it out to the owners, and if no one objects, it's effective in thirty days, as opposed to declarations, which require eighty or ninety percent approval, Correct. a whole process. So that's why in a lot of buildings that I that I and advise, much more legal fees, and more more legal fees, but. A lot of the buildings that I advised in the last few months have, have brought these issues and they've almost uniformly wanted these rules. Have, have there been any of your clients, any corporations you're dealing with that are trying to create a rule or that are creating a rule that bans smoking in its entirety from the entire site, including within units? Yes. So uh, that... In fact, uh, not not only have I seen with the clients, I I dealing with that. I also live in a, a condominium at uh, Young and Anglington, where I was the president of my board for a couple of years, mm -hmm. and uh, we have a before any of the marijuana issues became kind of the the cause celeb. Uh, the the building passed the rules banning smoking altogether, and that'd be in the unit and on the balconies. And how how can you you know playing devil's advocate here? How can you ban somebody from smoking anything in their own unit? Like, 
their cigarettes with smokers or you know I've known to in the long long time ago enjoy a Havana once in a blue okay. moon I can't do that in my own condo that I've paid close to a million dollars yeah. for and I pay <clears throat> you know $1,200 a month common element assessment sure. and I can't have a cigar in my own place I can see the frustration but the way that it, I frame it and, and boards that have done this uh, past this have framed it is you have the right a condominium is essentially its own uh, uh, has its own rules and its own ability to govern its owners and residents. That's something you can have legislation. You can have the right to smoke legally or smoke marijuana or tobacco legally. But a building, once you become an owner or a resident, you have to adhere to what their rules are. And if the board acting reasonably says, we think that our owners don't want tobacco and or marijuana, and we think that it could cause a safety issue. You know, the building I'm in and a lot of buildings that I advise have constant had constant problems with people throwing cigarettes off their balcony fire starting because there's planters and, the, and they go and the, the, the cigarette lands there or just a general nuisance and if boards believe that it's reasonable that um, somebody if they want to smoke whether tobacco or marijuana they can go 10 feet away from but the Sean, building. But Sean, I have a card that says I have medical okay. marijuana. And that may be. I need it for life, for and, my health, and, for my medicine. And you know what? The answer to that is if you've got a medical exemption, you could uh, you could uh, consume it by way of uh, an edible. You can have it as a marijuana brownie or a marijuana pizza or any other way that it can be consumed. Uh, and, and that's the way to get around it. They can have a medical exemption, but if somebody can eat it and not smoke it and still safely uh, use the product, that's the way to, to get around that, that issue. But so couldn't somebody, there's always exceptions. But couldn't somebody say that's a human rights violation? They could, sure. And, and more legal fees. And, well, <laughs> and you know what? All of these rules, anytime you talk about this stuff, there's always exceptions. There's always individual you know, arguments that can be raised. But, but my view would be it's pretty hard for someone to say it's a human rights issue if you're saying you can consume it, either you can eat it uh, and or um, you can uh, walk 10 feet out of your site and still smoke it. If you always run into these problems of the human rights of an individual so, versus the rights of an owner not to so be So let affected. me argue this with you for a minute. Let's do it. Okay, so yeah, uh, I, I'm a diabetic, God forbid, and I have to take my insulin. Okay. And uh, I take my insulin via injection. Okay. Because for me, it's the best, most efficient, best way for me to take my medicine. And someone comes along for some reason with with uh, with a rule they impose upon me, saying, "No, we we take offense to you taking your medicine by injection. We want you to take it in pill form, which isn't as efficient or okay. which isn't as effective." Marijuana could be the same thing, and I'm not doing an apples sure. to apples, but I'm doing a hypothetical here, sure. saying my claim is that the most efficient and effective way for me to take my 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 cannabis for whatever condition I have for pain relief, right? is by inhaling it because it is the fastest way into the bloodstream. If I consume it, it has to go through all kinds of digestive juices and enzymes and it's broken down and it's not as potent or effective in creating that. How can you impose that sanction upon me? It's a good point. Uh, my, my counter would be with the, um, uh, with the injection example, uh, I can't see any scenario where that could be a nuisance to anyone else. No, I, so I, I understand that, but I, I think in that the, the essence of the question. The essence, yeah. no, the essence of the question is you telling me, or the rules telling me, what's the best way for me to take my medicine, because it offends somebody else or it affects somebody else. It's it, it, regardless sure. of what it does to the exterior world. How do you justify how I should take my medicine? By using, say, well, you know what, you can always eat a brownie or a pizza. All right. Well, it goes back to uh, a rule under the Condo Act has to be reasonable. And that's the overriding issue here. But I think so that's unreasonable. If you think it's unreasonable, then you as an owner uh, could, first of all, object within the 30-day period of the rule and bring right. a meeting and, and, and 
flesh out the issues and discuss them, and perhaps the board would then go and re revise the language to reflect your concerns. If they, if if you do bring that meeting and the change uh, doesn't get made, doesn't because, pass because okay. it doesn't pass. You are the only one standing up. You've got ninety nine percent of the owners that say this is great for us. We're happy. You're the only one objecting. You could bring a court application and go to court and say the rule's unreasonable. And a judge would have would to Would I go to court this. or would I go to the tribunal? No, in this case, you'd go to court because the, the, for, for our listeners, uh, there's this new condominium authority tribunal that's been in effect for the last about six months. And if you want more information on that, yes. check previous We Speak Condo episodes and a future one coming up. And the issue with the condo tribunal is it's only dealing right now with records. I actually had a, uh, in the midst of, a, of a, one of the first condo tribunal cases that I'm working on right now for a client and just recently did uh, closing submissions. Everything is done by a phone and online. So and, does this actually save money for corporations? Uh, from my experience so far, it seems to be slightly but it's still involvement of lawyers throughout the process. It's just, it's streamlined. Everything is documented online. There's a software that's actually pretty advanced that the condominium tribunal has set up and, and it's, it's working pretty well. Uh, but they're only dealing with records requests. That's right now. Right now. And one of my big beefs, so to speak, with, with the uh, way this is being launched is that the government has only given very limited resources for a, a, a for a, infrastructure that should be and is should be equipped to handle other types of disputes lien disputes like chargebacks and and uh, i'm sure there's and tons, and tons eventually i'm sure it'll be and, all and the hope is but as of now it's limited so if an owner <clears throat> in your case is saying this rule sucks i don't think this is fair this for me is not, this is totally unfair i, I don't like it if and, you make and it could it could hamper my health. It could and so, but if you make a complaint to the condominium authority of Ontario and or the condominium tribunal, they aren't going to do anything. They aren't going to hear it now, but we it can, could we, in the we, future. Yeah, we could say in the future it could be an avenue. But right now, you're saying it's got to go to court. It's got to, you got to bring a, a court application, essentially challenging the reasonableness of the rule. And over the years, you've had these the dog rules, you know, the forty pound case. Uh, of, of whether that was reasonable. That, would you? So there's there's a, a couple of famous uh, condo cases in that context uh, 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 talking about the reasonableness of pet rules. Uh, for example... Those one, of you who actually smoke cannabis and have a pet should listen. Yes, you can kind of get... Uh, even more bang for your buck listening to this and podcast. And if your pet smokes cannabis, you should listen even harder. Yes, so there's lots of ways to kind of uh, combine different topics here, but... Um, there's a uh, case law uh, that deals with the issue of a reasonableness of a rule, for example, that says you can only have pets that are up to 40 pounds. And, and owners have challenged that and said, that's not fair. This is arbitrary. And the courts have consistently said that if there was a foundation for the rule and if it was reasonable and they said, we don't think if you have dogs that are more than 40 pounds, it's reasonable to building, they could be too big in the elevator, they could cause disturbances, they can bite, or whatever, that there's deference, meaning you give respect to the board for doing that. And so your issue in this case is if you're the owner saying, this is BS, I don't, you know, they're trying to limit the way that I take my medication. No one should le it. legislate against the best way for me to take my medication. And, and I can almost guarantee you, this is being recorded, so it'll be, uh, you know, could live in infamy, but almost guarantee you in the next year, you'll have at least one court challenge from an owner that's going to go forward and say, uh, this rule is unreasonable. And a judge and is going to that owner is listening, I do suggest that you call Sean and yeah, we'll get you this number happy later. To, happy, to, happy to speak with you. But... Um, that is going to happen and there are going to be challenges. And then even within the challenges, there's probably going to be different fact scenarios where maybe in the context, if you mentioned in that insulin example, if that was actually putting aside the marijuana, if, if, if a board tried to pass a rule that limited how you were taking that kind of medication, I think that would be deemed unreasonable because there's no relation to you taking your insulin mm -hmm. in a certain form there's no connection there between that and a nuisance. There's no way that you taking your insulin by injection as opposed to orally could possibly affect any other owner. So in that case, there'd be no connection. And I would say that that would be an unreasonable rule. So wouldn't it be more likely in this case, as I'm thinking here, 
we have someone, and, and, and I don't want to just hang on the medical marijuana, because now it's much more encompassing than that, because anyone can smoke marijuana for any reason, all right? Uh, and, uh, and of note, we are particularly talking about the smoking, because the, the consumables or the edibles really don't have an effect on the greater community. Uh, 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 during the consumption, of, consumption, it, during, it could, it could, in terms of how the the, the person their behavior, may respond their, to it, their right. behavior, and yes, because yeah. you know frequent trips to a Hasty Market that could tie up the elevator quite a bit. Um, however, <laughs> what we're looking at here again is the consumption. Could the corporation not take it upon saying, okay, here, just as in, it could be with tobacco smoke, or anything else, as long as it stays within the confines of your unit as described in your documents, it's the onus is on the owner to prevent the uh, um, odor from leaving his unit. So whether it's air filters, air cleaning machines, purification, uh, all sorts of things, if they were to take those steps would that be considered reasonable as opposed to completely wiping out all smoking of any kind? There's no, um, there's no necessarily right or wrong way for a board to handle this. I, I've seen some boards that say we don't want any, if, you, if we're going to pass this kind of rule, we don't mind if they consume edibles. And some boards that have said we don't want any either cultivation, smoking, or even edible in their unit because it could start to, um, you know, you've got, you've got to draw a, a clear line. So, so there's no chance that someone could be going from edible to then all of a sudden thinking they could start smoking. So, so is the issue about the marijuana itself, which has a whole lot of stigma behind it? Or is it the smoke created by the consumption of the marijuana? I think it's both. Um, buildings are, you know, and this ties in. So these rules are are basically promoted by stigma, and whether it's mythos or 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 what have you, and saying, hey, uh, marijuana is the big bad boogeyman, you know, reefer madness. We can go back to that yeah. movie from the the thirties, yeah. reefer madness. Uh, it's going to create all kinds of, of uh, debauchery in the corporation and so forth and so on. But uh, is that reasonable, using using your terms for creating rules? Basing rules and legislate not legislation, but rules or internal condominium legislation based on uh, stigma. Well, I think it's more than stigma. I think it's 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 legitimate concern that condos don't know there's this uncertainty about how this will play out if they do nothing if you have a building a downtown building with a lot of younger owners a lot of younger residents you know buildings in the entertainment district a lot of people you know partying and how that building is going to react to the sudden legalization so right now on july the 4th happy birthday to our U.S. Uh, listeners, by the way, uh, on July 4th, you could say this is reasonable because buildings don't know. If six months from now, the, the, the law passes and maybe uh, there's some, some new technology in terms of, of how to filter the product, if, if it's clear that buildings are being responsible and owners, um, you know, uh, have come to the board and say, we really want an opportunity to try this out. It doesn't mean that they can't revisit things at a later time. This is why I'm saying rules are very easy to pass and to amend. So buildings have to be flexible. I'm not imposing or saying that there should be a one fit solution here and never change it for the next 20 so years. So is your legal community taking that into consideration now at this time? Because I know a whole bunch of guys are drafting all kinds of rules and Corporations are trying to put them in place. And even when the police and your particular seminar yeah. said, the police are taking a wait-and-see approach. They're, uh, I know the law community was yeah. saying they were, but more so that they're going to treat it like alcohol. That was the yeah. resounding comment that I got from your seminar. For now. 
for now. Okay. So I think wait. I think you can still pass the rule and take the wait and see approach because even though you have the rule in place, it doesn't mean if information comes to light where boards become say well, we got the rule in place, but you know what? We've seen how the city's reacted. We've seen how people reacting. It's, we don't think it's going to be reefer madness. And then you know December first or January first of nineteen, and they go revisit it, and owners come forward and say, let's try these specific, you know, uh, let's do a test run. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are ways that buildings can be a little more flexible with it. But right now, I have no problem with recommending to buildings to pass these because if there's there's more risk in my mind of waiting to see how this plays out and potentially having all kinds of problems than passing a rule which you can always scale back if you think later on that it's appropriate and if if people start making court challenges and and there's the risk of a you, judge you saying see, you see what i envision of course. is going to be a kind of a a, um, a tidal wave happening in november um i can see many 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 people i think they're just waiting for it. good wonderful wholesome people and it's not to say that people who currently smoke marijuana are not good wonderful wholesome people but people that have never tried it now go wow because they didn't because it was illegal and now the brakes are off and they're going to try it i think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to go to the local cannabis distributor you know the uh the lcbo and uh i guess it would still be lcbo uh, the, the local cannabis board of Ontario, and um, if you guys use that, I get royalties. Uh, however, they're going to try. They're going to want to experiment and try. And where is the only place they will feel safe and comfortable in trying this? In their home. You'll have a lot of condiment. And I mean, a, I would say there'd be or, a, a Or preponderance. my response to that would be, okay, well then find a friend that uh, lives in a house or townhouse or a building that... Is it subject to specific And I bought a condo rules. for $984,000 and I pay $1,360 okay. a month in common element. So why can't I? So but you didn't buy that condo with the specific belief that you could smoke marijuana there. No, but I. That would be my response. Uh, but I bought it with the specific belief that it's my home and I can pretty much do anything I wanted. But you were handed a set of rules and declaration from your lawyer. That nowhere inside specified that there is cannabis. And now you're changing the rules in the middle of the game. Well, you always know that. My, the, the, the response back is you always know that you can't create a nuisance, whether by the rules or by common law, you can't do that. And if the board's passing a rule that they want to know in advance to prevent So this nuisance issue, we go back again, yeah. is the smoke escaping from my unit and not the stigma? The practical reality here is if somebody smokes marijuana in a building that has passed this rule, Right. But they have filtered their unit in such a way, it couldn't. It's possible that it could never be found. You can't. Managers and boards are not going door to door to 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 inspect these things. It may never be found. But it's only when it gets outside the the, the boundaries and affects another owner that we run into that problem. So again, um, if if owners want to be really uh, careful about it and, and try to you know work around the current rules you can never be 100 percent village uh, um uh you know diligent about it it's, it's impossible they could get around it but the second that it leaves the unit if an owner comes forward and complains to management then management has an obligation and, and the board have an obligation to to enforce it because i don't you know i know as as a condo owner myself i don't smoke tobacco I'm not really planning on smoking marijuana. It would bother me if it went through my unit, and I'm I'm affected. I've got kids. I don't I, young kids. I don't I don't need that. And I could say, go outside. Go to your friends. Go in your car. Go if that if you're not be it moving, marijuana or cigar uh, smoke and, or anything else. And, and go down the street. So, you can go on Young Street and smoke your joint and 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 get. Go through that process, but you can't do it. So in now, unit. now from a management perspective, so management now has to deal with a complaint. Sure. Is there any special treatment, or do they just process it like a regular complaint? I, I How look, do we do it? It, it? Again, depending if we're assuming that you haven't passed a rule yet, right? You get a complaint. My general, you know, uh, recommendations and any kind of enforcement they deal with, whether it be noise or disturbance or um, uh, smells 
is these are particularly nuisance complaints. nuisance related issues. Right. Someone's parking in my spot. They don't live all these type of day to day. Or they parked over the line, over the which line, is a which is a nuisance. It's the same thing. But uh, I normally say, unless it's it's a urgent urgent issue that has to get the lawyer involved right away. My normal recommendation is management should be sending out an initial letter. Don't get the lawyer involved and incur, incur the costs right up front. Have them write a letter and say this is issue has is, is been brought to our attention. This is what the rule is or this is what the declaration provides and stop immediately. And if you don't, then we got to refer to our lawyers. If it gets to the point that it's on my desk, it should be because management's tried, they've reached out to the owners and the owners have ignored or come up with some BS excuse. If it gets to that point, then I write and say, you haven't complied with whether it be a rule that's in effect or the declaration. Somebody's complaining. It's affecting their use of their unit. Stop immediately, and we're going to charge the cost back if you for having to get us involved because you haven't listened with the idea, hopefully, that the corporation is not going to be out of pocket for that. Um, and it all depends on the individual. Some buildings, that kind of stuff happens. So Great. That, that listen. Some will say, take a hike. Uh, you know, take me to court if you're not happy. That cost of that letter now gets charged against their account. Yes. Okay. Uh, and that is leanable or not leanable? So if the cost relates to enforcement, uh, my view, depending unless there's some unusual wording in a declaration, is that 99.9% .9 of declarations in the province have indemnity clauses that normally say uh, that if there's any costs involved with having to enforce the rules or declaration, that those would be um, subject to um, indemnification from the owner, and there should be a request for the payment. If they don't, you could charge it back to the unit, and then with a three-month period, you can uh, uh, lien if they don't pay it, which sometimes happens. Most of the time, owners will smarten up and they'll, they'll pay it. But in that scenario, corporation should not be out of, my view, should not be out of pocket for having to enforce its rules, especially uh, when, when management has reached out. Where I have more of a problem with that is um, is where it just instantly a, a lawyer's letter goes out without making a request for payment. That's where it's trickier and um, it's harder to justify those costs if, if management hasn't at least at least once tried directly to deal with the owner because then that owner has a pretty decent argument at that point saying why are you getting the lawyers involved before management has even written to me. Okay, that's, uh, that clears things up. Yeah. So now we've covered uh, medical use of marijuana. We've covered recreational use of marijuana. Um, what about criminal use? Um, drug dealing, growing marijuana in suite for... Now, I guess criminality would be um, trafficking versus personal use. Correct. Uh, personal use. What is it? Four plants? Yes. So uh, the, 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 the plant... Uh, it's uh, four plants, and, and the problem with that uh, that buildings are having is that I've actually seen pictures uh, at the recent seminar we did. Uh, there was uh, an individual there that's involved in the commercial uh, uh, development of uh, marijuana and brought some pictures with him of uh, what you know, a typical plant would look like. And it, you know, some of these plants can go up five, six feet uh, high. And uh, you start getting four of those in a small condominium unit. I mean, they could take up a, a massive amount of space. So the, the problem with that is it may be that the federal government was considering this was fair because they wanted to avoid having to go to outside retailers if you could make it yourself. So I understand the, the logic of that. The problem is if you're in a 800 square foot condo and you've got four plants that go to the roof, that can't possibly be safe. I mean, condos have all kinds of language in their declaration about and rules usually about not keeping items around that can be flammable or causing any danger or, or concern. Um, I think it'd be more of the issues dealing with that would be regarding humidity and mold. All and, that, yeah. Because um, from what I understand in in cultivating plants of any kind. And if you would have gone into my mother's apartment in the 60s and 70s, there were plants everywhere. So it was always humid. Sure, yeah. It was always humid, um, which could cause... Because uh, they're sucking uh, up all the moisture that's in the unit. Well, they are, but they're also giving off. Giving a, off, a, a, yeah. And you're constantly watering the plants. 
So that I can see being a poser problem in terms of the spread of mold and, or, and, and so forth. Um, but one of the things we haven't mentioned yet, though, is the odor. We know there's an odor associated with marijuana when it's, when it's consumed. But from what I understand and from what uh, the detective sergeant said at the, the, the seminar is that marijuana plants by themselves give off quite a noticeable odor as they're growing, as they exist. Um, so that in itself can be uh, uh, subject to that nuisance Correct. And any ideas that that smell of the growing plants is exuding current unit. Which is why the rules that I've been involved in, the cultivation has is is always been included in there. It's not just the smoking. It's, it's some, and it's I assume you're including vaping? Va basically. Vaping. Any any use of marijuana has been, uh, the buildings I've been involved in has been, has been set out. It's possible, as I mentioned before, that some buildings may say, we don't have a problem with the edibles, and that could be an, an exception. But in terms of growing, smoking, I mean, it all has various risks associated with it. That maybe if you're someone's living in a 2,000 square foot home and can properly um, set up these plants in a safe manner that uh, isn't going to affect anyone else living with them or next door, that's one thing. But I don't think that uh, if you ask the drafters of this legislation in, in Ottawa, did you expect that someone who's living in a seven, you know, some 700 square foot condo downtown in some, you know, high 40, uh, 40 level building, if they expected that they'd be putting four plants in there, which would take up half the space, you can't possibly tell me that that, that was contemplated. But the sure. problem is condo owners may expect that, sure. which is why if you deal with these rules, make it very clear you can't do that, um, then hopefully the problem will be avoided before it literally grows out of proportion, lack of a better, better term. Uh, <laughs> now, another thing that was very interesting that I did not know, and maybe you, you were aware of this, that each one of these plants in a growing season produces approximately 50 grams of marijuana. So if you have four, that's 200 grams. That, that that seems a heck of a lot for a, just individual recreational. Yeah, I mean that's more of a, of a of a policy issue that I guess someone in the government involved in this thought that that was. I think I think the issue is the government wants as much as possible to not have owners having to go to third party. Sure, stop the drug trafficking uh, trade. Stop and the so trafficking. Forth. Stop the overpricing. Stop the the risk of dealing with you know rogue. Suppliers, right, and, and the government say, doesn't get their common taxes. So, yeah. so do that. But what the concern is, and especially in a condominium, I mean, imagine there's going to be a lot more electricity that's going to be needed, light, uh, water. If there's, there's submeter, they have to bore, uh, bear that cost. But it could, even if it's being bared by the owner, right. I mean, it could be a lot of usage. I mean, if imagine a building of of twenty, thirty units that are all doing this. Yeah. How much it could spike, and that could cause cause problems potentially if you're getting even though owners may be paying for it because you're separately metered if you have 40 or 50 units that are spiking 300 percent a month that can't be great for a building you'd think no there we we have a in in principle that goes back to like occupancy rules yeah. about uh, uh the overload uh, the load of the building so yeah that would affect affect the design of the building um, so now we want to, I guess, summarize, and um, uh, Sean, you as a past board president uh, of a condominium, what do you recommend to condo boards now to do to be proactive? Uh, anything besides passing a rule to deal with the marijuana use and cultivation? Well, the, the second part of that, what I've been recommending is, is both tobacco rules and marijuana to be tied in one another. Just, just to go back to a question just entered my head. Because the legislation says that for personal use, a, an individual can grow to a maximum of four plants. Is that per household? Is that per individual? So if I have, uh, I'm living in with myself, my wife, and my three children, does that now mean we can have 20 plants? Yeah, that question was raised to the police officer. My understanding is it's per person. So 
without without so, con so, contravening the legislation, we could have twenty. I guess marijuana plants yeah. growing fifty grams of marijuana I per season. That, I guess that's that's possible. Which goes now back. can a condo corporation create a rule? that says, no, we are going to limit it to two plants per unit? My answer to that would be yes, because... Um, but which takes priority, provincial legislation or condominium rules? Can a condominium yeah. board supersede provincial legislation? I think the better way to answer that question is that a condominium board can regulate itself. I don't think there's a... A, a question of inconsistency between the two because the federal government is simply legalizing something. They they are they are saying under certain restrictions uh, under certain restrictions you can smoke or grow marijuana. While it may be legal, we are passing our own internal rules to deal with it. So I but the there's a specificity I, of of the number of plants in the legislation that the that the government has put forward. So how can uh, a condo board or corporation undermine that legislation? Because the, the Condominium Act has, has granted the right for, for condominium buildings to govern themselves and to pass rules that may say, the government may say, you can have or grow four plants, but we've decided in this building where you are living, you want to go live in your own house, you can make your own rules. But in this building... We are going to limit it to two. Well, that, I would say that that, that so does that set a precedent for all provincial legislation? Can now condo boards dictate any provincial law or provincial legislation that comes in and say, "Well, yes, that applies to all the other people in the world, but in this particular isolated community, it doesn't because we make our own rules." No, because the way I look at this is that this is a law that allows the legalization of a product under certain cases. That's not the same thing, for example, as a fire safety law, which says that you have to have A, B, and C in a building. A condo can't opt out of that and say, we're not going to comply with building safety because we can pass our own rules. That's a very different situation. Anything about the health and safety, electrical obligations, uh, water obligations, anything the building has to do to provide services obviously has to comply with whatever building code obligations, whatever city obligations. That's a different story. This is a, a fact that there may be product that's legalized that this the building may determine it, it wants to limit that right under certain circumstances. I don't Can see that as a building. Can a building limit the number of visitor parking spaces they have once they're their uh, the municipalities or whoever the developer is creates it? Now they turn around and say, well, you know what? We don't want the, the corporation to have 28 parking spots. We want to turn uh, 10 of them into lockers. And we want no, to they, keep, they can they do that? No, because the, 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 is that the same thing? Though? It's not. It's not because in that instance, the city has passed a bylaw. And I, I deal with, with this specific, uh, dealt a lot with this specific issue actually in buildings. Um, there is a city bylaw that sets out how many total parking it doesn't usually break down visitor total parking that a building must have when the condominium is approved right the condominium declaration has to be consistent with that so if if the city signs off on a limit of spaces and the declaration is amended then you can do that but it's not i don't see that as an analogous situation of saying there's a legalization of a product and the building saying Okay, it may be legal, well, no, no, but we're, we're going to limit it. Okay, so you're, you're only telling half the story here. You're saying legalization of the product. That's just part of it. But there's also regulation on how many of the product you can cultivate. There's a specificity of that okay. saying that you can grow up to four plants. Not that it's legal. It's legal now. Yes, we got that. But now you can only grow up to four plants for your own personal use. Like you have to have only so many parking spots. Can the corporation now say, well, the government is dictating or, or regulating how many plants we can have. But now the condo wants to say, no, we can supersede that legislation. We can limit it to two. Do they have greater authority than the province? It's it's not a matter of greater authority. It's a matter of... of, uh, of of limiting something that the province 
has allowed under certain terms. That's I, I in the parking example. Okay, there's at the time that the building was created, the city says you have to do something. The condominium entered into a, an agreement, a declaration, and the and the only way that you can change the spaces is if the city signs off on it. Okay, I, I understand. Okay, yeah. in your scenario, you're saying okay because the province or the federal government has said you can get up to four plants. Is it fair or reasonable for its own condo board to say you can only have two? And yeah. I'm saying if the condo has, has determined that that is in the, the best interest of the owners, that's the guiding principle. The government passes this legislation, but they have to understand when it relates to condos that it, it, those buildings still can govern themselves. So I probably going to guess we're going to see some more legal work and some so challenges to this. I, I would, I mean, again, I, I'm interpreting this based on a law that's not even in effect yet. Right. So there's, I mentioned earlier, I'm sure it'll be challenged. I'm sure the points you're raising is something an owner's going to say. And I, I can't say definitively, right? It hasn't, it hasn't come into effect yet and it hasn't been challenged. If I'm representing a condo in that situation, this is how I'm explaining it to a judge saying, this is the thought process. This is why a law can be in effect but the condos can still make their own rules. But if I'm the owner objecting to this, they're going to say exactly what you're saying. And it's a fair argument. It's, you know, why should I be limited to something that I otherwise can do legally? But I go back to the example, you can buy liquor from an LCBO if you're 19 years old, and, and I could want to enjoy that beer, but I can't go and drink it anywhere I want. I can buy a pack of cigarettes and it could be legal for me at a certain age, but I can't go smoke it in a spot in a library that's going to affect someone else's usage. And that's where it goes back to legalization versus how that legalization works in a specific environment, in this case, a condominium. And that's why it's, these are difficult issues that it's good to kind of flesh it out and talk about it. But I can't that's, see... And, that, and that's exactly why we're but, here. But I can't... Put it this way. I can't see a downside for a condominium making this kind of decision as long as they're aware sure it could be challenged and owners can challenge it by way of meetings they can they can challenge it in court but if they believe it's reasonable that the safety security of the building requires it i think it's gonna be pretty hard for a court and to like you know. said one size does not fit all so um what I can see coming down the road maybe is uh, the Community Associations Institute Marijuana Smokers Chapter. So that could be something that could be coming down the road. Um, I want... I well, want, just go ahead, very go ahead. quickly, because I know we're, we're wrapping up soon, but one other point just to make on this is that what I think is going to happen, you're going to start to see buildings that specifically promote themselves as either pro-smoking or anti-smoking, same way as some buildings are kind of very dog and pet friendly. friendly. Some are Bad very clear, yeah. we don't want any pets. And you'll have some buildings that maybe the developers now with the new legislation will try to set it up saying we allow it, but we're going to really work on our airflow. We're going to make sure there's really good ventilation. We're going to be downtown buildings. We're going to promote it as younger, hipper. You can smoke here. We make it very clear when you go and buy that you're going to allow it. And you will go into those environments. And the same thing with tobacco and some buildings that are very anti, so that when people go to buy or resell, all this is really disclosed to them, they know what they're getting into. But we're really right now, we're in the infancy of all this, and we're just trying to right. raise the we, we haven't even touched about uh, about the resale and if the, the, the smell of, uh, uh, or the odor of plants or consumption permeates into the, the, the walls and so forth, but that's, that's whole yeah. other issues. Um, what I can see is there is, uh, after October, there are going to be tons and tons of opportunities, problems, pluses and minuses. Um, we're moving into interesting times, like the Chinese proverb says, may you live in interesting times. Um, I can uh, want to thank you, Sean, very, very much for a, uh, an excellent uh, discussion. Uh, the information you gave was uh, limitless and, uh, and forthright and forthcoming. And uh, I'm sure it was uh, researched many a time over many a concert. And uh, also, <laughs> I wanna I wanna say that uh, uh, on behalf of Nicholas and myself, we've really enjoyed having you Thank come you to We Speak Condo. And uh, folks, I want you to listen good and hard to this uh, this episode 
uh, because uh, we believe that uh, this topic will uh, will not be going up in smoke. Right. Thank, thank, thank you for having me. And if anyone, any listeners have any questions, please uh, contact Ari. We can can get in touch with me and happy to, to respond to it. All, all Sean's information will be on our website. And uh, don't forget to uh, like us and share us whenever you get the opportunity. Uh, on behalf of Nicholas, who lost his microphone, and myself, <laughs> thank you for tuning in once again to We Speak Condo. episode of We Speak Condo interesting or informative, please subscribe to the podcast by visiting our website, www.citysitesmanagement.com. If you want to have your questions answered, email us. We'll be responding to your love letters or hate mail every week. Thanks for listening.